Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello and welcome to Let's Drone Out. Uh, tonight you are joined by the man with the moustache, Stephen. Hello. Uh, my buddy, Carl. Howdy. And the the one of my most favourite people in the world, who hopefully we haven't upset, the great, the epic, the the man who knew multi-Wii, Painless360. Hey Jack, good evening. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, and I'm Bright Until I Fly, and uh, yep, yeah, today is Thursday, the 9th, third, twenty twenty three, and um, we finally finished the uh, tier maker, the tier list, reviewing, uh, uh, reviewing the uh, various manufacturers of products that we all use, love, and maybe don't have any experience with uh but uh equally excited about um i do feel bad about missing out on armatan because obviously who could forget the rooster i mean you know who who didn't have one of those you know titanium on a quad uh i do feel bad uh just a quick whip round where would you put armatan steven do you have any armatan stuff i always thought they looked a bit old and uh never really yeah just stay clear of all of that. So what about you? I, oh. Yeah, I was gonna say I've uh, I've never used any. I've heard that they're tough as nails, though. But uh, that's about it. Lee, what about you? I really like Armatan. I like uh, the guy behind it. Um, the guy behind it's called Chris. Chris actually built my first ever proper quad for me. I ordered it from a forum in RC Groups. He was called. Bob E. Pine in the forums, and he was making these quads with KK 2.0 flight controllers in, and it was made out of machined CNC aluminium billet. That's what it was made out of back then. And, no uh, way. I, I actually ordered one of these because I kept seeing them. This is back in the day before pre-made quads were even a thing, and I still remember he he showed me how he, how it would fly, uh, in an underground car park, probably underground his own building, full of cars, <laughs> and he was literally popping it from one end to the other. It, it, he's an amazing pilot, um, and I've never yet managed to duplicate what he did with it, and I still have it. So uh, I'm afraid Armitan, from that point on, and Chris have always had a special little place in my heart. That the, the frames, they might not be as sexy or as great for freestyle or those kind of things. And if that's your gig, then you know what? I absolutely understand. But in terms of bulletproof frames that are finished incredibly well, um, you can't really go wrong. And the other thing is Armitan's one of the few that has a real lifetime warranty. So if you, if you bust something, he will replace it. Um, there were other people who have claimed to have lifetime warranties who are now are in business, so I'm not yeah. sure how that works. Limited but, warranty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you can, if you can find where he's moved house to, you might be able to knock on his door. But Chris, Chris actually does, um, and most of us, we haven't managed to break any of his stuff yet. Uh, but there are a small handful of customers that take full advantage of that warranty. Chris has told me at length how literally some of them have gone through dozens of arms and base plates and things because they smashed the hell out of it. But I, I touch wood, I've not managed to break one yet, so I would put it right at the top because also yeah. the ready the ready to it's fly stuff that he sells. Um, I think I'm a good solderer until I get one of his quads in, and then I feel like a hack. 
because he actually, wow. th- th- I think, didn't he say that the guys he employs to build the quads uh, are on one pay level until they can demonstrate they can solder to the standard that for the production, and then they get bumped up to the full pay grade. So basically, yeah, you ha- un- until you can actually build them properly, you don't get the full whack. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it, they're, they're work, they are works of art. I was actually wondering, are, are they one of the first people that, or one of the first companies that did that sort of, um, like the camera protection at the front and all metal? The cage. Yeah, yeah. the camera cage, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, an interesting design choice. It uh, definitely looks robust. I, I'm not sure how useful it is now. I mean, back when, you know, cameras were a lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it, it, it made a lot of, but the thing is, I think they did get a, a little bit over-engineered because they started with a simple cage, which was two CNC'd shoulder pieces with two like braces across. Yep. And then he went to a piece where the middle piece could actually be rotated, the bit that held the camera. So the camera didn't rotate, the whole piece rotated. It was held in place with titanium screws and all kinds of stuff. You know, it's and probably he... the kind of technology that you put in a knee replacement. Um, but I, but now in the latest ones, he's gone back. He's made it a little bit simpler. I think that's a good thing because you can over you can over engineer this stuff. Yeah, well, and I've also seen the um, even the GoPro mounts. That's a very unique style mount. Uh, you know, to, to to attach a GoPro, it's not the same sort of uh, four bolts. Is it? Am I right with that? Or yeah, it, it, well, there was a couple of different cages. One of them had. The mount that was part of the cage. Uh, yep. Some of them have them separately because it's a lot of weight to have on the cage on with everything yep. else. Um, it's it's like every time Chris thinks he's got it sorted, you know, six months later I'll get an email from him going, "Right, I've had an idea. I'm doing this," and I'm like, "Oh, jeez, I told you yeah. again." Um, uh, but it, but it's that it's one of those people who were in the hobby before it was a big thing. We're in the hobby all the way through the boom. And now the bubbles burst and we're all back to normal. Then he's still in it because he actually wants to do it. Um, yeah. And that's why I quite like it. He's passionate about it rather than he's in it because he thought he could make some money. Um, yeah. So no, I've, I've got a lot of time for those guys. The The only thing that I didn't like was, and I don't, I mean, argue with me if it's not the case. I just didn't like the unibody rooster you know the whole bottom plate and arms were one big sheet of carbon because wasn't there a factor of one side the arm was really strong and the other sides you know they were weak because of the weave of the carbon fiber well he went through a stage didn't he where he was using nasa grade carbon fiber or something there was some wacky really? stuff that he managed to get his hands on um, it got it probably fell off the back of a lorry in China or something, but it, it but he had this special stuff that um, but the thing is when he I know he, it, it used to drive him mad because he would do one with separate arms and then he'd get lots of hassle about the fact that it was separate arms and that you have to then figure out a really yeah, secure way so that so yeah you have the extra weight because you have the brackets and the braces but also some pilots get really finicky about making sure that when the arms go together they lock together and they are they are completely rigid they become one piece so we design that and then everyone would come along and go well that no no no, we don't want that we want a one piece black bottom plate with the arms in it so then Mm -hmm. he developed that and then the other half had come out and go no hang on a minute we had separate arms we like separate arms bring separate arms back so in the end you ended up with was it the rooster and the not the gecko, was it? The gecko was the little one. There was two that was basically exactly the same model, but one had a solid base plate and the other one had four removable arms. Um, oh, I don't, okay, I, I don't, for everyone. Yeah, he just thought, okay, fine. I'll give I'll give everyone the option. Uh, I mean, what's your, th- what's your thoughts? Yeah, okay. So you're a separate yeah. better. Stephen, what yeah. do you feel? Uh, there's like a cutoff somewhere between, I think, three inches and four inches where separate arms start to make sense. But on smaller stuff, I prefer uni, unibody, uniframe type. Oh, yeah, of course. Stuff. Yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah, I, I've only ever flown, uh, you know, separate pieced frames, so I don't really have a good opinion. Yeah. The other thing the that, you, that uh, you'll love Armitan for is um, Bardwell and Armiton fell out because Bardwell said something wrong, I believe. Uh, 
but uh, legal notice, any views or opinions <laughs> or any, any hysterical <laughs> things that I may not understand or get right are personal, may not reflect the views of others or this show. And I'm Perfect more timing. On. But yeah, he, he, there was a that bit was of drama there. Yeah, I know. But, you know, like, I, I haven't got a beef with Bardwell, but it, it was like, dude, what are you doing? But, you know, these things happen. Um, so anyway, I sent, I've also shared the tier maker in the Discord. So if you want to give it a go, post it. If Cole can be bothered and remembers, he can also, I can share the link so you can fill it in yourselves. I haven't had any emails of people filling it in. So paint the lovely painless. I'll move you to the top. Did things um, get did things get changed around on this tier maker? Because I thought no, this ultra was uh, S tier. No, this is this is Lee's version. Oh, oh, ooh, so, okay. yeah. <laughs> so the lovely painless three sixty has had a shift around. Ah, oh, this nice. is his take on it. Okay, interesting. Yep. And I'd like cool. to remind everyone, right, that he has almost 2,000 videos, right? Mm. And he's got 158 subscribers. So, Alexander, thousand. you, th- yeah, thousand. you <laughs> might want to send him. Small Sorry, person. that's the dyslexic. Yeah, thank you, Carl. <laughs> good, good save. Hang on. Let me the just uh, play that. What, what um, has Painless and... got Impulse RC in, in Unknown? That that strikes I me don't, as contentious. I don't try it, brother. Yeah. This is why it's a little bit different, is that I am not just a quad pilot, and yeah. I'm not into racing. So, ah. so, so my view, and this is, I think, what Jack and I were talking about, my view is very much what I'm doing with and playing with. And I think that this is something I think is important to say at the very beginning, um, in, in addition to the legal caveat. All of these things, I think, are very mm. subjective and very personal, right? Oh, yeah. So, so a manufacturer that someone else might use, enjoy, and get a lot of love from uh, and have a great time with, um, they might put right towards the top. And I assume that S, because it didn't come with destructions, right? So I'm assuming that S is super duper, and it goes yeah, down yeah. to you. I just thought I, Impulse no RC had been around for so long that you were bound to have reviewed something by them. No, no, not not really. So I tend to um, use the same products over and over again, um, particularly because I'm making a lot of tutorials. I need products that are easy to use, reliable, mm. easy to get hold of, and that also have uh, decent backup and technical support. So if I get stuck when I'm making a series, I can just ring them up and get a great answer, right? So, so for me, my requirements come from two different things. It's not just me as a pilot for my own edification flying in the field with a big goofy grin on my face with the latest model. It's also which of the manufacturers have my back when I need them when I'm creating a series and I get stuck. So, so it's a slightly different view of the world, I think, than some of the other ones that I've done. So some of the names that you would expect to be right there at the top, probably not. So all the ones that I don't have a strong opinion on are in the U category. And also, I haven't thought about this. I haven't, you know, sat down with a, with a brandy and a cigar and thought about this for 45 minutes. I literally, it was a knee-jerk reaction, blah, 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 and they all went in there. So, for example, if we talk about, you know, poor Dominic's having heart failure because he's in D. Dominic, I haven't <laughs> spoke to Dominic for probably two odd years. Last time I spoke to him was when he fell down the stairs outside his house. If you remember that? Yeah. Um, I haven't had any of his products. So I honestly don't know what the state of Seriously Pro is. I was a big supporter in the early days. I pushed um, and built a lot with the Seriously Pro Racing F3. Uh, one of the fastest, most cloned boards in the history of the hobby. Uh, We have a lot to thank Dominic for. You know, he's the father of clean flight, without which we wouldn't have beta flight, without which wouldn't have INAV. So thank you, Dominic. We are are literally not worthy, right? Because without you, brother, and everyone kind of forgets that because he took base flight from uh, Time Cop, created a code that was usable enough with the other people in the project that then we could have all the stuff we are in today. We wouldn't have a lot of the stuff today without Dominic doing the donkey work to fix it. So with all that said, the reason he's in D is because I don't use his stuff. 
so I have no strong opinion. The stuff that I know about is older stuff. Hey, um, and it's real. It's look a at legit. That. You one. see, that's you see, that's worth something now. Yeah, look, proper logo next week. There, proper logo. Sixty of the finest British pounds. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so that, so that's why some of the things are in weird places because it's not that they're particularly bad, although with Free Sky in D, that might be another conversation. But um, there was, it, it's kind of almost a ranking of how comfortable I are, I am and how much I like the technology. Um, and that's really a function of how much I use it. And if you don't agree, then, um, you know, go out, try these products yourself. But, you know, just, just to, just to, just to show something you know look look at this man he has done the work you know there's so much look at that nay 32 understanding brushless the arm series when's the last time you saw a pixhawk and that transmitter who knows but you know that's a that's a spectrum that's a dx7 that mate that was that was that was hot stuff back in 20 yeah well. CC3D, <laughs> orange controllers. You do a but... lot of stuff with large, larger aircraft as well, right? A lot of us don't get a chance to play with some of the, the big stuff. And you, you, it looks like you're building stuff that's almost agricultural or survey level equipment. Uh, I don't, but I deal with um, make videos of people who do. Uh, there is a lot of interest in that. And one of the reasons that I do that is because you tend to find that some of the new technology comes in at that very high level first because those kind of agricultural surveying mapping systems are twenty thirty thousand dollars so mm. they're not they're not hobby grade kit right but um, you tend to find that technology that's there now in three or four years time there'll be a hobby grade version of it so for, if, for example for, yeah exactly so it's like Formula One right there'll be stuff to put in Formula One cars that appear in production cars ten years later and we get we can right. buy it from the Toyota or carbon shop. fiber, right? Carbon fiber was like billionaires' toys back in the nineties, mm. and now it's everywhere, right? Yeah, I, exactly. So, so I I like to keep an eye on that stuff um, because the there are the stuff. So, for example, things like lidars and sonars, which now you can get them for sixty, seventy, eighty pounds, which still sounds like a lot, but you know you can get reasonable ranges now, so you can do terrain following. It helps you with things like auto landing, stuff like that. Um, and it's amazing how much interest there is in that stuff because I thought yeah. it was going to be really exotic and esoteric and lots of people wouldn't be interested. So I'd make a video on it just because I happen to be up at somewhere like 3DXR, you know, because the stuff that he has, is, it's a, it is literally cool. like walking into, you know, the Williams. It, is, it is seriously another level. Um, and it, it's all stuff that, you know, anything sub three meter wingspan and he thinks it's toy grade right and and it's and it's just oh yeah it's it's not even funny but you know so for to give you an example of the kind of things that happen so for example ben up there builds a lot of vtols vtol is a big thing at the moment vertical Um, takeoff coal by the way don't you yeah i know that oh no i I didn't know i didn't know buddy sorry that's all right I just I'm not just, just good case. works. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> Brains too, right, Carl? The the yeah, thing is, is like, there. I'm so used to him being the new guy, and then he goes, Oh yeah, order of operations, and then I go, Who are you? I don't know who you are anymore. You know, I swear I can hold... I, I can I can take in information, I promise. Yeah. Who who made that? <laughs> Oh, was that, what, what was what was that? Was that that the was that the motor brand? The Scorpion. Um, no, that's a heli brand. Hang on. Ah, Scorpion. If you think about it, I mean, it's pretty obvious. That's a Scorpion strap. Because I think of Scorpion as the motors, or am I getting that wrong? The, the, they they were heli that... guys, weren't they? And they made really strong straps. That's what I know them as. You're probably more right than me. Yeah, I'm going back a very long time. They might not even do it anymore. There was anyway, there was a whole us... range of motors. 
tell oh, us about look. some of your choice picks here. We've got yeah, kind of predictable top tier. I think the top tier with Armatan and Runcam, Maytech, yeah, we can see how that was going to pan out. But there's a couple of surprising ones here. Fat Shark. Well, okay. This, no, this is one that we probably do need to talk about. So Fat Shark absolutely goes in my S category. Um, even though lots of people would go, but Fat Shark, they haven't done anything forever. They, they brought out the HDO2s yeah. and that was about it, right? So, you know, Fat, who, fat Shark who? Explain um, yourself, Lee. Explain yourself. <laughs> How do, <laughs> what the earth are you thinking, boy? Right, ready? Uh, now, go. <laughs> so... so the, the thing with Fat Shark is that Fat Shark were bought by Red Cat, um, mm-hmm. and Fat Shark had been part of that group, and they yes. sidelined one of the main driving forces behind the innovation uh, inside Fat Shark. So it's owned by a guy called Greg. You've got, you guys have had him on here before today. Um, I like Greg a lot. Greg has a very dry sense of humor. He pretty much created industrialized FPV for the hobby because he wanted back in the day to add a camera onto because he was into radio control cars and he wanted to, to feel like he was actually in the RC car. So he went down to the local bazaars. I think he was in Hong Kong at the time um, and then managed oh, to the find markets. A, the markets. Yeah, and, managed to, yeah. and this, these, this is the day when everyone was jerry rigging everything and it was all very Heath Robinson. And he got a camera, he managed to get a, a couple of screens, he managed to lash up some goggles and a video transmitter, and he made it work. And if you can find his YouTube channel, one of the early videos of him testing FPV, analog FPV before it was analog FPV, is still on his channel. You can still see it today. That's how long ago it is. So anyway, so he has continued to be, so he's a technologist, right? He loves technology. He loves buggering around with stuff. He loves playing with stuff and coming up with new ideas. Um, there's a lot of people who will throw shade at, in Fat Shark's direction because no, no set of goggles is going to be perfect for everybody. But there is a reason why historically in analog land, when everyone brought out a new pair of goggles, that the thumbnail was Fat Shark Killer because <laughs> Fat Shark were the ones to beat, right? Because they had a big target on their back and they were they were the standard by which everyone was measured, love them or hate them. When Red Cat took them over, um, Greg was pretty much sidelined and had very little to do with the company. Um, and I think that was very difficult for her. I don't want to give too much away here because some of the conversations I'm kind of, uh, you know. Well, we got that very awkward video when um, Walksnell was released, right, where he was interviewed and seemed to be surprised by the product. Like, like he he'd never seen it either and he was supposed to be demoing it to everyone else so it did feel a very odd launch uh okay so let me give you a little bit of a background behind that yes it was a very odd launch the thing is um the the person i'm not going to go the full detail so you don't have to you know the more legal disclaimers but the, the story that i heard bearing in mind that what wrote a riot at the time was part of the same red cat family as fat shark it was an incredibly incestuous thing to get Rotor Riot to be the exclusive, exclusive, exclusive first look, right? HD system from Fat Shark, because they didn't tell you that that was the case. They then promoted this system that was probably two months away from being in a situation where it would actually work. Right. There were still quite a number of bugs that they were talking about. And Mr. Bardwell, who is a known Fat Shark hater, who's the one that played Curb Your Enthusiasm music over a one of the Fat Shark goggles. He just like, sat there with it in his hand and played the music as a video. Had, they had to then sit with the person that he'd taken a big whiz on over the past five years and do an interview all upbeat. And not <laughs> only did he have to do that, but Greg, who may or may not like that individual, then had to play the game. And at the and time, as I... And at the time, as I understand it, Greg actually didn't have a set of the Fat Shark goggles to try. He hadn't actually tried the technology. He it felt to me like he got wheeled out as a as the face of Fat Shark, with very little information as a marketing stunt, and plunking stunt in front of somebody who was a known Fat Shark hater, and to, said, "Off you go." So had, hang on, hang on. Let's do, rewind a bit. So Fat Shark is the company that's putting their name on the goggles. They were doing distribution in the US and they had a say in the development of the product. 
how is it that Rotoriot gets the goggles to do a media spotlight on them before same, same the company. owner of the company sees those goggles? Because he was he he wasn't actively involved in the development. Fatshark actually developed the goggles. They are um, they use exactly the same optics as the HDO two goggles. Right. So, so, right? But he wasn't actively involved in the development. The company was developing no other products though. They, the last goggle they'd released was like three years before that. Was the HDO twos exactly? Yeah. So, so so he wasn't directly involved, which is why I'm saying. So one of the key driving. So, so, don't want to get too far into this because yeah, it's just, I'll, it's just I, weird I will, I will wonder into this. Oh, but... look, surprise! Because three three years they released their last HDO two or whatever. Then for three years yeah. they're thinking about digital systems. They experiment with bite frost. They kick out something. Decide not to go that route with the scouts, and then fall onto the walk snail sort of train. And 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 you're saying that it's a big enough company that the owner of the company is just unaware of the goggles that are being produced. no 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 they're not not unaware. I didn't say unaware, but didn't have a set that he tried. They, they didn't send okay. him a set to have a go with. Okay, right. But, so so he is a he is the te- the technologist hadn't been involved. There's a there's a great there's a great story about Greg when back in the day when they were producing goggles quite regularly. Uh, one of the big things that used to be a, a big bone of contention was field of view, mm-hmm. and feel because we all have our own particular fields of view that we feel comfortable with. And I think it depends on the kind of flying you're doing, the model, the camera, right? But also whether or not you're flying 4.3 or 6.9, how the panel works. Um, But for me, I like a slightly smaller field of view because I use the on-screen display because I'm flying planes um, and more endurance style flying. So I'm monitoring lots of things like speed, altitude, number of GPSs, current pull, estimated time remaining of I have all that stuff so for me I don't want a really immersive massive screen because then what I have to do is to check those details I have to move my eyes away from the center of the screen so other people so you know people like Josh Bardwell like a really big field of view and when the field of view wasn't massive that was one of the criticisms so Greg thought okay well I'm going to make a bloody big field of view like a 60 degree or whatever it was he was punching for field of view so they spent, because the optics are some of the most expensive part of the goggles, making them so you can actually see these little tiny, well, inch size screens and make them look like, you know, they're a 14 Because yeah, they're about one inch diagonal, aren't they, the panels? Yeah, they're, they're those, the really small. small. So to make them crystal clear right edge to edge and make it so that there isn't like a little pin prick in the middle of the lenses that you have to have your eyes perfectly in that, you know, yeah, it is, it, it's not easy. Make sure you don't get vignetting around the outside because that's the other thing that people boasting of massive fields of view, but the, the edges are blurry and you can't really use yeah, the, the edge ab- of the chromatic image. aberrations and stuff. That's in the it. All that. yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the other one where in the corners you get almost like a rainbow effect as the, as yeah. the, the light is bent differently. The RGB pixels are, <laughs> so, in, uh, are actually splitting up in the corners. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually what? just going to chime in really quick and, and blow Jack's mind. So so Jack, so we're speaking about Greg French from Fat Shark, right? That, that's what we're talking about. Like, uh, I don't Greg know. Greg from Lee? Fat Shark, right? Painla, like, like right, Lee. Sorry, Carl. Is that... yeah, we're, we're talking about Greg of Fat Shark, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so the little shark. known fact, Jack, he actually went and took an engineering degree in London, Ontario, at Western. By the way, Jack, back in the nineties. So. How do you know this? Who are uh, you? <laughs> Ooh, oh, hang on let me just uh just Jesus, i can't what yeah so so uh I'm, I'm from canada i grew up in a city called london ontario but yeah greg of fat shark yeah he actually went to school in my hometown which is really random but uh sorry to interject there and, and cut off the the momentum but yeah, yeah. we've no, done no, 10 I, minutes I, I... on it I think that you've just blown Jack's mind. The fact that you're just dropping all this knowledge, you know, and, it, <laughs> and, you know, and, and that you've been hiding your light under a bushel. So to finish this story very quickly. So yep. you're yes, trying yes. to do 60 degree field of view. They, um, the optics are the one of the most expensive parts. There's multiple, it's like building a two miniature telescopes, right? And you, there are several different lenses and things. So they went through the process and they eventually managed to get a set of optics that would work and give a 60 degree field of view but he didn't like them. However, at that point, they'd spent about $170,000 
developing these arrays of optics but they tried it and and that he wasn't happy for all the reasons that we've discussed as you as you get bigger and bigger the problems get exponentially harder to maintain the integrity and the focus so he put them in a bin right and it was like okay and this is all the stuff that goes on with people like these vendors at the top of my list that I know about because they tell me these stories, but they are in the public domain. So they went in a bin and then he had, um, what do you call those guys that come in from university? You don't, they don't get paid, but they're there like for an work intern. Interns yes, or... thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So he had an intern coming in and the intern was doing checking of PCBs, some of the pre-prod PCBs, and there was, he was tasked with checking the soldering all was all, all okay um so he was trying to do it with one of those standards you know like the the big magnifying glasses with a light around the edge you know that you see in in you know csi um and it wouldn't give him the magnific magnification and he found one of these lens arrays and started using it because it turns out it was perfect to check that the soldering on this on this board was right so greg walked in and clocked him with that and he was like, well, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I've just found this. It's actually really good. I can see exactly what I'm doing. And he's like, okay, that's probably the most expensive magnifying glass on the planet. So, you know, it was 170, but but it's kind of those kind of things that, that make me feel happy. However, the red cat thing, so they, the Fat Shark at the moment is currently in the middle of being sold. I don't know if and, uh, you're probably aware of this. Yeah, hmm. so they transitioned to, from being owned by Red Cat to being owned by one of the guys that runs Red Cat, so they're kind of off the um, the Red Cat Holdings label, but they're still technically owned by the same guy. But they are currently being sold. There's, there's, it's currently underway at the moment. Right. Um, as part of that, Greg is going to be able to get back to what he loves doing, and to be frank, he is bloody good at doing, which is making goggles and working on stuff and being the guy in the back room coming up with wacky ideas and trying stuff out and trying to make new products. Makes the sense. fact that he hasn't been in that position for the last three odd years is the reason why we haven't had any more goggles because I don't know what Red Cat were doing with Fat Shark and I don't know whether their idea was that it, they were going to try and create some kind of military mm. application with FPV and it never happened so now they don't yeah. care they're going to sell them. That's where but, Red Cat are going, right? They've made a couple of announcements with Teal recently that they're following government and military friend or foe designation systems. There was a press article about that. Yeah, and and the more I read about those guys, the more suspicious I am about what the motives were for, for buying some of these radio control companies. But if we can get back to the point where I can speak to Greg and Greg has a goofy grin on his face, and as I'm talking to him on Skype, I can see the whiff of solder as he's mm -hmm. talking to me, is building stuff. That is going to be a good thing for the hobby because at the moment, the walk snail has become a success because at the moment there are three businesses involved in the walk snail ecosystem. There's Caddix, mm -hmm. there's walk snail, and there's Fat Shark. Fat Shark at the moment has been on the bench, right, chewing gum, looking at their sneakers, twiddling the bat in the, in the sand, right, whereas everyone else has been on the field playing. They've managed to create a success out of walks now with fat chart basically doing zero promotion zero marketing they created the goggles and then they've been sidelined so i'm excited for when fat chart come back in and actually get involved again and start spending money on the marketing and investing in the technology because let's face it we all want a set of uh, walk snails that have an AV input and lots of other things. But if you uh, the things with the walk snail system like for example they have the scout hds which most people don't even realize are a thing. It's two hundred and seventy nine pound set of goggles based on the Scout, which yeah, is probably a great one value. of the, They are, and actually, I love the Scouts. They're some of the best goggles that Fat Shark have ever made, with the exception of the HDL. They're originally an HD zero system, weren't they? They were kind of tested as an Alpha HD zero system. They they were, but the the ones that my friends have now, um, one of my friends is using. Hello to Adam, uh, who's if he's watching this, is he has my scouts uh because i took over he, he was wanting some fpv goggles his the ones he was using blew up uh literally <laughs> and, <laughs> and i and i went over there because you know i'm fortunate i get sent a lot of review stuff so i have a whole 
so, so I went over there with a boot full of goggles and we had a we had a fun hour with several cups of coffee and he literally tried every goggle and after trying every single goggle he picked the scout so so the actual screen and the way it was it's kind of like a squash box goggle for those who haven't seen it does um, it feel but, similar to the original DJI goggles um yes but it's not binocular it's monocular so it's one big screen you're looking at okay. so uh, which also means that for, for some people with um uh, visual defects, stigmatism, things like that. Um, it can actually work better. So, yeah. so, but so the thing is, you've got those things as well. But if Fat Chart was firing on all cylinders, we these things would be being screamed about because with their center reviews, you know, um, I, I'm excited about what Fat Chart potentially could be. Not only because what they've done historically, because without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. Because you know, everyone was trying to. Um, you know, somebody made a joke about orca goggles being called that because you know orcas kill sharks, but um, <laughs> but but the, you know there's a there's there's a reason why they were always the comparison. So that's why they're there because historically they've mm. been great for the hobby. But going forward, if they get back to what they were doing, then hopefully that will give everyone a kick up the ass and we'll start to get more innovation again with the FPV side. And also mm. it will be good for the Walksnell ecosystem because then the third part of that trilogy of companies behind the system, they'll all be operating. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. Do you remember, Lee? Do you remember when Hobby King, so we're going from top to bottom here, you put them at E, do you remember when they were showing the Fat Shark um, uh, manufacturing line on their, uh, in the factory, and yep. the guy from Hobby King threw a new pair that had just been tested on the floor, just because, you know, goggles were expensive back then, and he was being a baller, and we all just lost our shit because the poor Chinese guy was like, oh, my God, I've gone. You know, he thought he was going to be like, you know, Fired. taken out of back and shot. Like, you know, like it was. Yeah, you really got like this sort of like Foxconn vibe. Um, yeah. Hang on. Where's the where's the banner? Um, you know, Foxconn may or may not be completely evil, but, uh, you know, like, oh, my word. So, I mean, come off it, Lee. You must have plenty of Hobby King battery turnages. Why are they E? Uh, because Hobby King uh, have lost the plot completely. They used to be great for batteries. They used to be here in the UK, so we could actually ship batteries without it costing £35. Um, they also used to innovate and bring out some nice models, so they used to have some great stuff. They never got into the quad part of the business, really. Right. So they were really most of us use them for things like batteries and consumables. But they had things like Bixler's. Remember the whole art, you know, whole thing about with Josh Bixler and Hobby King and all that stuff. You know, that's a whole nother uh, story. Um, but now they're not really innovating. They're not bringing out any new models. The models that they do bring out are typically repainted versions of older models. Tundra. Uh, yeah, it's just oh come on. There, there do you are think so... that, that, do you think there's a problem with the lack of market growth that's stopping companies from really pushing, and they're just sitting and milking it to get what cash there is out of it? No, I think what actually happened, reading between the lines, is I think the owner of Hobby King, uh, when he set the business up and it's and it initially took off like a train, kind of did mm. a dotted line of that exponential growth and thought he was going to be a billionaire by Christmas, like the. Right. Um, uh, Rodney, what are they called the the trotters, right? Yeah. Um, but the the market slowed down, and and then he, from what I understand, he went and invested in lots of other stuff and pulled right. money out of the Hobby King engine. Because the problem is, is although when we see a product being released, there's probably eighteen months to two years before that 
starting from the initial concept to development to initial modes, molds, right. to testing, to flying, to refining, to packaging, man, making the money. There's a whole thing, right? So when you cut the legs off, then you have those things that are currently in production. And I've actually had some planes from Hobby King that were left in limbo when the money lo- was left. And they mm-hmm. kind of have sent me stuff and gone, what do you think? And I've given them a 20-point a, a list of things that they need to do that wouldn't require them changing the mold and another 20-point list of things that they should really do, which would require them to change the mold because the mold is incredibly expensive for the injection oh, yeah. for the thing. Um, so if you haven't got the money for the molds, you know what? You can't have any new product. They, wear, they don't warehouse stuff. The shipping now is extortionately expensive. If I'm going to ship a battery from the EU, I'm going to get it from Genzace and get one of their batteries because they're yeah. far superior to the Hobby King things. The great thing about Hobby King was that, you know, you could order battery on Wednesday and you could have it on your charger by Friday, ready for the weekend flight. Well, because it yeah, came but you had wherever. to check, like, is it available in the UK warehouse? Is it available in the <laughs> EU warehouse? Is it available in the global warehouse? Oh, and God, the website yeah. was shocking. So you ended up with an order where, like, two things were from UK, three things were from the EU, and two things were from global. And you like you paid a ludicrous amount of shipping. You had to then go back through your carts and be like, no, 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 not that. Just try and get it all from one warehouse. Yeah. And, and also, you know, they, they lost the plot a little bit because they started doing Hornby trains and started doing Frisbees and, you know, uh, Frisbee golf. BB stuff. guns. All, all kind. Of, huh. Because they... Airsoft, because then. Yeah. Yeah, because it was Hobby King, so hobby. all hobbies. So they right. they just completely screwed it um, and got completely... If they'd have stayed true to what was making them the money that we all love them for, because the way... Sorry to get all kind of business managing about it, but the way you tend to work it, there we are what called cash, cash cows in a business, right? You find that 80% yep. of the margin and profit comes from 20% of the SKUs. And for those who always wonder what SKUs are, they're <laughs> stock keeping units. That's what it stands for. SKU, stock keeping unit. It's an it's a it's a way that. to track, right? So so what you do is in a business, you protect those twenty that twenty percent of your SKUs that make you the vast majority of your money yep. as though your life depends on it. They're called cash cows, right? And you do not mm-hmm. shag with those because that is what keeps the lights on, it pays the money, it goes, it you just carry them. on selling them. You just you just make sure you exactly you forecast you have enough right and they complete and they let all the all their cash cows just fall over and rot in the field and surprise surprise the cash flow stopped the yeah. investment stopped from the owner and they were just dead in the water so now you know we do need a couple more guys in the UK to step up I love hobby kit hobby RC I love quadcopters.co.uk. I love 3DXR. There's there's a number in the UK that we all use here. Sorry for Unman Tech as well. Yay, Unman Tech. We we use those, but the but the thing is, not a lot of them still don't carry a lot of the basic consumables in sufficient quantity that you can always get it when you need it. True. So, for example, sorry. Yeah, (laughs) Greg. RC Vault. So, so, but, but the thing is, you know, I, I had, I've just done a conversion of a plane, uh, one of my little um, ZOHD darts into Walk Snail. And I haven't flown it for a year because I've been flying mostly HD systems, right? So I put Walk Snail in it and I took it for a flight. And the battery I used in it was, you know, when, when it's kind of, it's a little bit squidgy and you're like, oh, mm. it's on its way out. But I, I risked it for a biscuit and it, and it just, it, as soon as I launched it, the radio just freaked out and just went battery critical, battery critical, because because one of the cells oh, was yeah. a high and it was just you know what I'm landing it. So I thought that's fine. I just need to get exactly the same Hobby King 1300 3s. It needs to be this long battery. and this wide and this thick exactly, and exactly this weight because that's what all the CG is all built for on the model. And I ended up having to buy one for five quid more from a guy on eBay. And it's actually the right battery, so God knows how he's got it. But you know what? It, in the old days, you just go, "Well, actually, I'll buy two because I'm paying I, for the postage." And you I get know that who that Hobby person King. is, by the way. Do you? Can you thank them because that's it's meant that I don't have to completely re- redo the CG on the whole thing. It's, you know, Martin, the the ginger guy, Beauty and the Geek. 
guy. Yeah. It's him. He bought all the batteries as they liquidated. Well, well he's got God a stockpile of them. He's got a yeah. danger garage. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you no know. Sorry, sorry for cutting you off there. <laughs> no, well, no, it's probably him that I bought it from, but it was like uh, on the Hobby King website, it would have been like 12, 13 quid but it was like 19.99 from him and you know what i'm quite happy to pay that cuz it it just means that i can continue to fly that model mm. and and the weird the annoying thing is is the new battery is actually 10 grams heavier than the old ones that i've had for 3 or 4 years so um it still didn't work out exactly as what it did but in the old days hobby king would have been an a or, an a or a b because we all use them for those consumables well, and we kind of relied on about, them for that what do you rate their sibling stores cuz we used to have a lot of traffic uh going to Gearbest. Banggood is pretty much not doing hobby stuff now. There's never no. any stock in. So do you think they're all kind of in that same position? I remember looking at Gearbest, for example, there were house brands like Furaby. There used to be loads of Furaby quads out there, and ERC was reviewing tons of them, and the entire house brand vanished when Gearbest stopped communicating with YouTubers. I, I'm still talking to Gearbest. The problem is, is that all of those Chinese warehouses that used to be a mainstay for pumping product into um, the content creating community for radio control have all really struggled to because radio control is a little bit of a a bit of a wacky thing. It's not massive volume. It's niche. And it's quite. That's a wonderful way to put it. Thank you, Stephen. That's a much better way to say it it's niche whereas um and, and also historically when they were all being supported by china for the international shipping it you know it kind of made sense for us to do it but now you know if you try and buy um a foam plane from uh, assuming you could get it from Gearbest, aliexpress in fact aliexpress seems to be one one of the few that still do does a lot of stuff yeah that's or, where i got my my only plane <laughs> yeah or banggood the shipping is now astronomically expensive and without actually no probably there was two instances where i got stuff in from banggood that was a big box where it didn't mm. look like somebody had just sat on it while they had the sandwiches during the part of the transit so you always unpacked it waiting to find the bit of foam that was there was always a bit of foam that had a dent or a, or a mm. mark in it from a servo horn from the piece above that pump pushed through the thing. Get the kettle um, on. Uh, oh yeah, it, you'd have a bit of a cry. So I so I think, and I don't think necessarily those guys not being as heavily involved in RC is necessarily a bad thing. I got an awful lot of stories every yeah. time we did something with Banggood of people going, "I've paid, but I haven't got my product, or the product right. arrived and it's broken. I can't get support." First time I ordered anything, I ordered a quad and a radio. Uh, I, I was going to get Flysky i6 and a little two-inch uh, bind and fly, and it just never turned up. The ta uh, tracking said it had been delivered, and it never turned up. And that was my first experience with the hobby. Not great. Uh, that was Banggood. My 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 first ever order from International, actually going back, was was Hobby King, because um, in those days I used to sit and watch the two Joshes on. What were they what Flight was it called? Test. Flight test. Thank you, Jack. Uh, I used to sit there, and and they'd be doing all oh. this stuff, and a lot of a lot of things they'd be using with hobby with hobby king pieces. And I bought my first ever set of fat sharks from Hobby King, and they got shipped from China, and it was I think they cost about two hundred and fourteen pounds. Amazingly, I still remember the number, and I basically was a little bit, um, you know, my 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 backside was going. Like that. For the whole two and a half weeks until they turned up, because I honestly thought there's a 50 50 chance I'm, these aren't going to even appear. And I was so glad when they did, because that that was kind of the reality of it. You know, that you sometimes got it, you sometimes didn't. And then you had the argument of, you know, did it arrive? Did it not? Are, are you trying to scam them? Can they be asked even answering you? Um, I, I do like ordering from UK shops where. It arrives two days later, and this is where Hobby King cocked up. They closed that UK warehouse, and yeah. that was that for me was the end. I and did now you one... look at the prices. The stuff on Banggood's five, ten pounds more expensive than the UK resellers. So where is the incentive gone? They're not supported by the Chinese government anymore. Just no point. 
No, I have no used point. AliExpress a bunch. AliExpress seems to work, but again, buying that plane, I cancelled three orders because there were like twenty people selling the same plane, and so every time I did a slightly different search, I'd find it for five pounds cheaper, and so I ended up yeah like ordering it three times, and I w- was paying one hundred and fifty quid to start with, and I think I ended up getting it for one hundred and ten. But it's just like completely chaotic marketplace. It's worse than going on eBay. Hmm. Yeah, it 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 is almost like um, radio control roulette. Yeah. You know, you pay right. your money, you take your choice. We have literally got ten minutes left. <laughs> well, we've done three of them. We've done As three usual, of them. With Lee, oh man, <laughs> Lee. Oh, right. Lee, so Kiss sorry. Ultra, Kiss Ultra. Why is it an A? Why, when was the last time you flew Kiss Ultra? He, he hasn't. It's he not hasn't an got A. It's not oh, an like, A. Sorry, I thought you made the top. Um, I haven't flown them for ages, but I really like the guys behind Kiss. Um, Kiss Ultra, probably. I, I Kiss Normal. I put them on the same thing. Um, I Kiss Ultra. I haven't used them for ages, but I love the Kiss flight controllers. I love the guys behind it. Kiss flight controllers, the first one I ever used and put in a quad. This is back in the days. I mean, we're going back a very long time now, right? But it used to be that the quad would land on the ground and bounce. And that wasn't because we had air mode on. This was before air mode was even a thing, right? The tune Idle was, up, baby. Idle up, baby. We, it was so bad. It, when you're landing, it would just kind of bounce. And eventually, you just had to try and... And this was when you disarm the sticks. Anyway, you, you put... That I put a kiss well, flight you, controller. You disarm after you hit the ground. I just, I just get near to the ground and disarm, just like flying. Oh, no, back, back in the day, buddy, <laughs> we had to disarm with sticks. So, um, so I put a kiss flight controller in a model. I still remember it now. It was a Speedix two fifty frame or something like that. That was it. That was it. That's disarm. Yeah, and the other way's arm. That's right, Jack. You see, you're old school. You remember That's this why stuff. Trippy All these are in kids. Maneuver. Don't remember that. If you used to do just... a trippy spin, you just disarm. Um, yeah. So, so the so the whole thing with the kiss is that I put the flight controller in the model, um, took it uh, into the field and landed it. And for the first time, it landed, hit the ground, and stopped beautifully. And it was um, oh KK two point zero. How come you've got all this classic stuff on your bench, Jack? Is it was this just in classic? Kyle sent me people because we've been banging on for so long. Look at that radio slam, radio C battery strap. Didn't you get used to get those free in some orders? Oh, mate, or did you no... have to pay for them? No, you get them free. Look at that oh, cool. pipe train, cool. a... bloody rotor <laughs> motors. Thought <laughs> you're red bottom for life. That's all you fly, right? D4R2, baby. This oh, one's yes. a this is Look at the size of that. It's bigger than the flight controller. Yeah, Carl, wow. you're gonna love it. Look, CPPM, <laughs> mate. You uh, are. It's gonna be like right. Absolute garbage. You're gonna, wanna, you're gonna start. You're gonna wanna put controls in, right? You go, oh, yeah. a bit of your, and it will be like putting the transmitter down, getting a postcard, writing it, <laughs> sticking a stamp on it, <laughs> and with the address to my quad. That's what it's gonna feel like. Wow. So I, I bypassed then... all the all the goodness. Well, I, I, I'm not sure I'd use the word goodness. There, there was <laughs> it, there was there was a very bumpy road uh, to get where we are today, and I think I think we sometimes forget how tough it was in the early days, and how how when if you plugged it in and it didn't burst into flames. You know, it it, yeah. it was a cause for celebration. The, you know, these days we have it so easy. We have all-in-one boards. We have flight flashing of flight controllers that just works. Case have... in point, Jack is the only person that I've personally seen who who arms the quad with their foot on it because <laughs> he's seen it go wrong. He's seen it go quite literally sideways. Yeah, we we had an intern. Um, I won't mention his name, but. He wired up the motor output wrong on a Kiss quad, and I went to test it, and it it flew past my head, right, and it left little tiny scratch marks along the side of my face. You were lucky, man. Kiss V one, and then almost almost hit the window, the single paned window of Radio C. 
but it didn't. It it hit. Luckily, it hit the filing cabinet, and the dent on the filing cabinet was unreal. But yeah, like all I will say. The thing is, Jack, you can say you know that was the intern doing something wrong, but we all absolutely should have checked it. We all absolutely it. did that at least once. And we only ever did it once. And then we were like, oh, crap, I'm never yeah. doing that again. Because you were just but, lucky you still had all your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> but Fedorov, he's done a motor wizard. You need to see Kiss Ultra. It's, oh, you can tell it which way it's spinning, what way you want it to spin. I was playing with it last night. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, there is. There, there, let me. Let me uh, let me just show you the the wonderful world, um, Alex. I hope I hope you won't shout at me for using the. Uh, hopefully, it won't. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't display the uh, dev one. Cool. Connect. Look at that wizard. <laughs> Wizard, thank you. Nineteen ninety-five calls. They want their GUI back. Shush you. Stop talking. <laughs> Beat your flight. But look, see, look, he's updated the model. There's look, OSD. You can go into it. Look at that, and you can just scroll around. Hit the enter button. Ooh. <laughs> Man, I love you. <laughs> so I, think, I think those of us that have, have had experiences with kiss all have a little you know fond memory you know it, it is it's it's a great system and i think you know i think you're right Stephen. that that osd uh does doesn't feel very modern but i think if you, you know i was i've always been impressed with the kiss stuff i think it flies incredibly well and there was so much effort to get kiss feel into beta flight at one point there was lots of you know workarounds and extra stuff because everyone just tro- when they flew a kiss quad thought it it was great and they were doing that when the beta flight stuff was still embryonic and a little bit ropey hmm. well with the gui yeah. i mean you know they say if it ain't broke don't fix it right so yeah, I, I like the way that uh, Dominic's just saying it. Love that Beta Flight still uses the 3D models that are from Clean Flight. So does iNav, brother. That interface mm-hmm. that you pioneered back in the day, they're all still using it. If you don't have, I think iNav might have changed it recently, but it used to be when you hadn't chosen your mixer and you had just that standard box with the different colored sides, it still had the Clean Flight logo on it. That's <laughs> show it, showing yep. how much of, your, of that DNA from you oh, mate, is in those products. That block... I tell you what, though, Dom's Dom's wing logo with the that he's I like so good, so good. Are we allowed to talk about you let you let slip about the Arrowhead FC? Are we allowed to talk about that? Well, all, all, this was a story um, back in the early days when Dominic and I used to do a lot together. Back with a seriously pro racing thing. Uh, and Dominic, if you are listening, would love to reconnect and start doing stuff again. Um, you He's know, on you've got, you've got my data. You've got my details. But the um, it was becoming clear when iNav was starting to be about 1.3, 1.4, when I started doing it. Because back in the early days, I'd speak to Dominic um, because the way it works is that Dominic had a project called Clean Flight, and that was forked, and that's not a rude word. It's actually what happens it kind of a copy of the program went across to a guy called boris b and he developed this thing called beta flight apologies for those who know this already but for those people like cole maybe you don't and then that went off and it and it was all about developing the tuning for quad racing because this was before quad racing was either a thing and it was all about increasing the responsiveness of the quad and getting it feeling more locked in and that was what beta flight was all about and then a guy called Konstantin Sharlamov. Who, who sounds like a mobster from a, from a movie. Constantine is, is a fab guy. He forks Clean Flight as well into another project called INAF Flight. And that was to work on a couple of things, one of which was to fix the GPS code that had been broken since Base Flight, which came from MultiWay before it, so it went MultiWay, Base Flight, Clean Flight, INAV, right? But the, the first jump broke the GPS code. 
So iNav was about fixing all that GPS stuff. And what the original idea and what I think we all wanted to happen was that the, when those things were fixed in those other projects, those fixes would flow back into clean flight. So clean flight yeah. would end up with super duper capabilities for racing. It would end up with all the GPS stuff fixed. But the problem was those two projects that had been basically clean flight copies initially became so different and so far away from the base project. It actually started to become easier to merge clean flight into iNav than the other way around. So the 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 sea had parted they were never going to come back together again and and that that kind of stuff is uh it, it kind of makes makes me laugh because now i know with uh, somebody's talking i now six is change, about to change a lot of stuff but the graphical user interface that we all use in beta flight and i now that looks so similar you know with all the tabs down the left hand side that was actually created when dominic was doing this stuff on clean flight and it was and it was and it went into those other two projects it's why beta flight and i love look so similar because essentially they're both the children of the clean clean flight project um it it just it's really funny when you kind of look back because you have a couple of key individuals in the history of the of the hobby who without which we just wouldn't be here today and dominic is absolutely one of those guys we never got look the old remember that Look at that. Your step because it's the two are. Oh my god, no dark mode, no nothing. Oh my god, this is one of my old ones, isn't it? Yeah, look at that. And it used to belong in the Chrome extension. Remember that? Look at that. Chrome extensions. What a what a crock because there's probably videos of it where it used to be because it used to have the tabs along the top do you guys still remember remember that in the clean flight days and the reason it changed to go down the left hand side is because you could scroll up and down in the left hand side so you could add more tabs that was the whole point and it was a guy i can't remember the guy's name i bet dominic can who um who actually designed that interface as part of the project and it's just become you know, the default way that we access the beta flight and I have interfaces now. It's great. I know. Well, unfortunately, that is all we have time for. I can't believe we've covered about three things from Lee's <laughs> list. Like, Sorry. And you were happy to... Lee, it just means we need to get you back sometime, that's all. Oh, mate. Happy to do it because I actually didn't tell you the story of the wing board. Which yes, is where we're going with the it. clean flight thing, which Quick. which maybe I'll I'll check with Dominic. Three is all minutes. Right. All right, me share. No, I'll check with Dominic. Is all right, me sharing that story. Yeah, I don't know if we if we stall, Dom can be like, you know, Dom can give us a thumbs up. Dom, is it okay to talk about? Right, Dom, Mate. just just to rem just to remind you. So this was back in the days of early iNav, and it was when I suggested to you that building a flight controller specifically for fixed wing to run things like servos with a separate power supply to run servos would be a good idea. Hello, Maytech. Um, I'm quite happy to, to do that story. If, if you were, uh, if you're happy, Dom, to thumbs up. Dom, yeah. Yeah. That's what right, we want. Cool. So, so very quickly then to finish off, cause we're over the hour. So what was happening when iNav was coming out, we were all, uh, iNav also had the ability, unusually added not only all the GPS stuff, it added the ability to put iNav into a fixed wing. <laughs> fixed wing, <laughs> iNav, and it also did things like return yeah. to home, right? iNav also uh, in the quad used to fly it back to you. And then used to land it and we're in for your return to home. I believe beta flight in version 4.4 has just caught up. Well done, boys. But mm. I now was doing it in 1.2, 1.3. So I realized that because we were all taking boards from uh, drones, like the Omnibus F3 flight controller, things like F4. that. Um, I think my first one was actually an F3, believe it or not. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mistaken. No, I, th I think the I think the F because if you remember back in those days we were using F three and everyone was going why are we using F three because we'll never use all of that power. Oh, you know, yeah, F we've got fine. Do you remember those four, conversations? Like four UARTs. What more could you want? And we got soft cereal. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, you will never use the power of an F F three. You're crazy. Yeah, I know. Um, so anyway, so what we were doing, we were soldering um, servo leads onto it, and we were we were turning these things into horrible Frankenstein messes so that they could run INAV in a wing. And my first one, you can still see the series now. I basically hot glued all of this stuff onto the back of a Texumo wing, and it worked beautifully. It looked like something the Borg had sneezed out of their nose, but it actually flew okay. And so I said to Dominic at the time, Dom, you need to make a board for wings. And he was like, yeah. Uh, I was like, no, no, no. Wing wing flight controllers for, for fixed wings, they're going to be a thing. And he was like, oh, okay. And he actually did an, a, a beautiful design. There were several iterations. It was actually in the shape of a flying wing. So the, 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 the actual flight controller itself was actually, rather than being a square, was actually in the shape of an arrowhead. So you could tell exactly which way it went round. All the pins were on the edges. It was absolutely brilliant. And he never, ever finished it and brought it out. And now Maytech is making money hand over fist selling Maytech wing boards and things like the 411 WTE and the 405 Woman and things like that. Oh, right. And every INAV build is using those boards. And it's just, I, I always feel like, oh, I wish we'd have done should that, have Dom. Been him. It should have been should Dom. Have been him. Dom should have been sat with the Cohibas and the Brandy watching <laughs> yeah, the money come in. Dom's, Dom's like PDB as well was good with, with was it with th- th- uh, Thug Frames as well? Like he made a excellent PDB and stuff. Dom, you got a photo? I messaged you in Discord. <laughs> See, Dom, you got I'm bugging Dom at the moment because I'm trying to flash one of his flight controllers. Yeah, so use, Dom... use the STM the Cube software, Cube Pro programmer. That's yeah, the so way. there you go, Dom. Dom saying I did a wingboard shaped like a wing. It was so pimp, mate. It was. It was epic, <laughs> and it was so ahead of its time. It was before anyone was doing this stuff, and I just wish there'd have been a seriously pro wingboard because Maytech wouldn't have been able to just corner that entire part of the market because you'd have been about three years four years ahead of everyone else yeah did the neo from uh, to fit the thug thug frames so anyway that's all we got time for um maybe tune in next week too yeah tune in next week we're live every thursday from 8 till 9 p.m we're sponsored by our lovely patreons who uh pay for the editing hosting everything keeps this show going we wouldn't be here without them massive shout out cole has added uh new people to it we've also got another one for you to add as well cole um and as always it's been a pleasure to have uh lee from painter 360 on um and we have been joined by the uh, man who's struggling to flash an F3 flight controller, Stephen. It's an H7, I'll have you know, but I am nonetheless still struggling. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> See you next week. Uh, we've been joined by Cole. What's that lens stuff called that you said? Chromatic aberration. So, yes, chromatic aberration. It has to do with glass and lenses and optics. Basically, it's imperfections that come in the corners or... You know, I, I don't know the specific technical terms, but it just comes up as sort of purple and green fringing and sort of, um, you know, strange, um, you know, characteristics. And I've been Bright to Fly, and you've been listening to Let's Drone Out. Thank you very much. Good bye, night. Bye, bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Telemetry lost.